And turn with me to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. We're going to take a look at just a few verses here this morning in verses 4 through 9. 4 through 9. But before we do, let us pray. Oh, Father in heaven, here are your people gathered together in your name, longing to hear a word from you. Oh, Spirit of God, move mightily among us here today. Grow our faith in you, Lord. Help us grow in our understanding of this life and what you've called us to live. And I pray this for your glory and the good of your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Perhaps you heard the little ditty. Said the sparrow to the robin, friend, I should really like to know why these restless human beings rush about and hurry so. Said the robin to the sparrow, friend, I think that it must be that they have no heavenly father, such as cares for you and me. We tend to stress, don't we? We trend to, trend to uh, fill our bucket with anxieties. Oh, what about tomorrow? What's going to happen this afternoon? What if he says this or she says that? My friends, these things ought not to be so. And I'm going to demonstrate that to you here this morning in Philippians chapter 4. In verse 4, you will note that in Philippians 4, Paul lays out for us what we must do to overcome anxiety. What we must do before we become Olympic world-class warriors, my friend, let's get on this. Instruction number one, step number one is this, rejoice. Rejoice. Be happy. There, everything's fixed. <laughs> my friends, if it was that simple, we'd just fold this book close and go home. But let me tell you something, my friends. Rejoice in the Lord always, Paul says. And again, in case you missed it, rejoice. Some serious emphasis on this word rejoice. Now, the way that your ears heard that is different than what the Bible meant by it. You see, the, the word here that uh, we're looking at uh, means to choose to respond to external circumstances with an inner contentment and satisfaction. How? How? Knowing, it's a key word right there, that God will use these experiences to accomplish His work in and through our lives. You see, this is the life of a believer. The world looks around and says, fear, war, horrible things are coming. But you and I, we know better. We know that the Lord is at work and he is going to accomplish his perfect plan in his perfect power and in his perfect time. You see, in order to rejoice as a believer, we must have Perspective. Perspective. 
So responding to external circumstances with inner contentment and satisfaction. How? Because of what we know. Now you will notice in this instruction, you will notice that we cannot rejoice apart from the Lord. You see, this is not some phony, baloney, plastic banana joy that we just put on a happy face and pretend everything's okay. It is the understanding of the believer that knows that all things fall in the Lord's hands. Nothing comes into our life that is not passed through his hands. Before your good and your growth and his glory. Rejoice in the Lord. We cannot rejoice apart from the Lord. And we will be reminded of this, my friends. The joy, a word directly related to rejoice in the Greek New Testament, is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. When we talk about the fruit of the Holy Spirit, we're talking about the result of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. What does it look like when the Holy Spirit has worked in the life of a believer? Well, in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, we would read that the fruit of the Spirit, what it looks like is they are people of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such things there is no law. The Spirit of God longs to work in your life in this way, to bring you to the point that, as we sang today, that, oh, that we would worship God and we would praise his name regardless of our circumstances. That's what rejoice looks like, is to know that God is at work. Ironically, this week, I'm studying, focusing so much on this concept of rejoice, and if there has ever been a week of no joy in my study and in my world, it has been this week. And how wonderful to be able to focus on this and say, guess what, pal? It ain't about how you feel. It's about how you see what's going on around you. Think about it. And so rejoice in the Lord, but you will notice also he included this word always, always. You see, James in his book in chapter 1 and verse 2 wrote these words, count it all joy. We know what that word means. When you meet trials of various kinds. Yeah, so when things are going particularly bad, count it as joy. Well, how can we do that, James? He says, for you know, there it is again. You have the ability to count it as joy if you know this truth, that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Talking about Christian maturity there. That you might grow up and see things the way the Lord sees them and respond to them as he would. Yeah. Rejoice in the Lord, my friends. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord and rejoice always. Count it all joy because of what you know to be true. 
But notice as we get to here to verse 5. Now look at that, we're halfway done. And you're going to get out of here early, huh? <laughs> Paul writes in verse 5, Let your reasonableness, that word means gentleness, be known to everyone, for the Lord is at hand. Now commentators go bananas over that expression. What do we mean the Lord is at hand? Does that mean he's nearby? Or does that mean he's coming? Well, since both are true, it doesn't really matter, I guess, right? But the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. And you know why you ought not to be anxious about anything? Because anxiety, anxiety is, is fear, worried, alarmed, or fright. And it, cause, it is caused by a lack of faith. What is faith? Faith is the right perspective on God. And when you're fearing, what you're communicating is, oh, God is not able on this one. Oh, no, he's not powerful enough. Yeah, he created the world and everything, and he meets my needs, and he cares for me. He's provided a place for me in heaven because he sacrificed his only son. Oh, no, but this one's too tough for him. You see how absurd it is to be a person of anxiety? Anxiety is sin. It is the opposite of faith. Anxiety caused by a lack of faith. And what is that faith that the Lord is in heavily invested in us? You can never question the love of God or the commitment to your ultimate salvation, which is being saved from the very presence of sin in his presence. Can never question that. God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, while we were miserable, rebellious, and stinky, and <laughs> he sent his son to die for you. I'm all in. That's God. That's God in your life. I'm all in. That is a great love. That's, you know what they call it? They call it amazing grace, and it most certainly is, my friend. So do not be anxious. When you start to feel that little anxiety bubbling up here, go back to what you know is true. All things work together for good. Don't say everything's easy and everything will be happy and everything's bubbles and, you know, roses and stuff. It's just that God is working. God is going to accomplish something incredible through this. It may not be in your life, it may be through your life, and how wonderful it would be to see that happen. We know all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And God most certainly has a purpose. And then Paul, with somewhat a mild rebuke on this stop being so anxious, it's the opposite of faith. He gives a solution. The solution to worry is this, my friend. It's prayer. You know that stuff we ought to be doing anyway? Stuff that God puts in our life to remind us, to keep us connected to Him? That's the stuff that makes that worry go away. Let me tell you how. 
He says here, the Lord is at hand to not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. I would have you to know that he hasn't changed subjects here. He's talking about how we can overcome this anxiety. And he uses a couple of words here. He says, by everything, by prayer and supplication. The word prayer just simply is referencing petition. When you go to God and you say, Lord, help me. I need your strength for this day. I need to be able to stay focused on you here today for the tempter is working mightily. Petition. And then there is the term supplication. And supplication is an urgent request. Oh, God, help me now. You've been there. Maybe it hasn't been so loud. But your heart has cried out, oh, God, help me now. For if I don't have you, I will most certainly fall. Urgent request. God says, take advantage of both of those, okay? Continued connectedness, talking about your day, praying through your day, recognizing what you need from God for the day, and crying out to him, my friends, when it is urgent. And then Paul ties in here, and by the way, don't forget to be thankful. You know, count it all joy. That the creator of this universe, the almighty God, cares what's going on in your day today. And is heavily invested in bringing you through it. Sure, there's people on TV and millions upon millions of people see it, but you've got the attention of the creator of the universe in your life. Oh, how he loves you. Oh, how he is crazy about you. You can't question that, my friends. You can't. God demonstrated his love. You want to see what it looks like? Take a look at the cross. See how much he is invested in you. So prayer, petitioning the Lord, supplication, that urgent request to meet a need, and thanksgiving, which is keeping your eyes on the goodness of God. Oh, don't forget to do that, my friends. Keep your eyes on the goodness of God. Where is the goodness of God in your life today? If you've got to spend a little time to dig that up, it's worth the time, my friends, so that you can count it all joy. God is good to us. And friends, if you need someone to sit down and show it to you, just let me know. I'm happy to share it. God is good. He is so, so good to us. And you will notice, my friends, when you live this way, in verse 7, the result will be peace. And you know what peace is, right? The possession of adequate resources. You have everything you need, no matter what comes about, no matter what happens. Know this, that God is at work. Verse 7, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That picture of a soldier 
guarding you that you might not fall, that you might not fear the kind of peace that passes all understanding. It is beyond our capability to comprehend that God has it all covered. And the God of peace will be with you. There's a promise. There's a promise of all the people on the planet. You. Y'all should be shouting amen, by the way. But I sure hope your hearts are. I sure hope your hearts are. So rejoice, my friends. Stop being so anxious. Pray and obey God. Obey God. Be in the right place at the right time, doing exactly what he has called you to do. And you'll notice here that Paul says that you ought to be meditating on what is good. Finally, brothers, verse 8, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And not the 17 horrible things that could happen tomorrow. Oh, no! Train your mind, my friends. Train your mind to focus on that which is true and that which is good. And stay away from that other nonsense. Because, my friends, what you have learned and received in me, Paul says, and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and here it is again, and the God of peace will be with you. Because peace is what people long for. Peace is what people lack, and it is readily available to you. And Paul lays it out how we can stop the worry. We can move away from the sin of telling the world God is not enough. We must worry for ourselves. It is a lie, my friend, straight from the pit of hell. God is not enough, for you know that he is. And all we need to start doing now is living like it. Well, let's wrap it up. I got two pages, friends. I mean, I could tell you about my dogs, but... <laughs> Overcome worry by putting your trust in the Lord. Overcome your worry by putting your trust in the Lord. I'm not talking about saving faith. I'm talking about sanctifying faith, a kind of faith that causes you to grow, trusting in the Lord day by day. Always go to the Lord first. Before you start counting all of your troubles, my friend, run quickly to the Lord. God, I know that you know all about this. There is nothing hidden from the Lord. Run and run hard to the Lord. That's the first place to go, my friends. Discipline your thoughts to think that which is good and right and holy and pure 
my friends. Discipline your thoughts. Take every thought captive. Do not let those thoughts sneak into your life that undermine your faith. And finally, let's make sure that we're honest about this. Let us recognize that fear is a lack of faith in God, and it shouts out to the world, he is not able. And you know it's a lie. So what you gonna do about that, friends? You know it's true. Anybody here disagree with me? You don't. The Word of God is clear, my friends. Our only hope is to live it out, to be the obedient children of God who trust in their heavenly Father. Oh, Father, we thank you for your Word that you have recorded and preserved for us for these many years. And people such as ourselves can read it, interpreted by your Holy Spirit, having our eyes opened and our minds of understanding enlightened God. Help us that we would live this out, that we would overcome worry with faith because we know that you are able. We know that you are enough. We know that your purpose is perfect regardless of what we faith, we face. We can face it with faith. Oh, do your mighty work in our minds and our hearts even now, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.